Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. As you may remember, if you've been with us, we are in a series in the Gospel of Mark called Walking with Christ Through the Gospel of Mark. Let's turn to that book in the Bible. It's the second book in the New Testament, so toward the second half of the Bible. We find Matthew, and then the next book will be Mark. We are in Mark 7. Let me remind you that we have been seeing Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, God in human form, walking among men, He has been proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. He has been directing men to trust in Him as Savior and Lord because He is, in fact, God. And we have seen Him do stupendous miracles. People have actually been raised from the dead. People have been fed miraculously, healed of diseases they had had their entire life freed from demon possession. The list is very long on all the things the Lord has already done in the Gospel of Mark to prove to people that he fulfills prophetic scripture and he is, in fact, God. So we come to Mark chapter 7, and with all of that as a background of how obvious it is that Jesus Christ is not a mere man. He is, in fact, the God-man, the Savior, the Messiah. With that as the background, we begin reading in Mark 7, verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. So we're going to stop right there. Here come from Jerusalem, um, I don't know the exact mileage, but it, it's a good ways, um, 30, 40 miles, maybe 20 miles. It was a long ways that they went into Galilee to check out this Jesus Christ, because Immense crowds were now following him and listening to his teaching. So I guess they figured, well, guess we better check this out, boys. So they got on their horses, so to speak, and they went to uh, check out Jesus Christ, sort of. Remember that everything that's been happening has been going on, and they certainly heard about that and maybe had even seen some of it. And yet when they come and they, they finally catch up with Jesus and initially with his disciples, look at what they're focusing on. They're focusing on physical things, outward things, traditional things, completely ignoring or missing the spiritual, the inner, um, the amazing things that the Lord had been doing. And even the disciples had been given the authority to do. They completely missed all of that or ignored it. I kind of feel like they ignored it. 
the Pharisees were the really, really, really Bible-believing part of the Jewish people of their day. They were like the special forces in terms of believing in the Bible among the Jews. I mean, they seriously really believed the Word of God, they thought. And the scribes were charged with making sure the Word of God was accurately uh, trans transferred from you know generation to generation that it that it was completely accurate and they were extremely careful about that to an amazing degree so you would think that the pharisees and the scribes would say look at look at what he's teaching look at what he's actually doing the healing the feeding of the 5000 the raising from the dead oh, this this has got to be the promised messiah wrong they completely ignored or missed that. And so when they do catch up with the disciples and with Christ, they just focus on the outward things. They had a wrong focus. They focused on human tradition instead of on divine truth, which they, they said they believed in and guarded, but they were really more intent on the other. And it's so easy. If you're a Christian, you've been in church a while, you grew up in church, you've been around the Word of God, the people of God, the things of God, you've met God, and so on. It's so easy to put it on cruise control. It's so easy to become more concerned with protecting the traditions in your family and your church and so on and completely miss what God is doing. Listen, if I'm talking to you, stop. Get refocused on Jesus Christ. So let, let's see what they did. Verse 4. Well, let's go back to verse 3. The, the key phrase there is that the Pharisees, um, it says at, at the end, they were all about, uh, quote, holding the tradition of the elders. Now, when I was a young kid, I used to think, well, you know, this is the Bible. Well, that's not what that means. It's not talking about what Moses wrote that they were focusing on. It's talking about what the what their religious leaders had written about what Moses, uh, Moses wrote. So their religious leaders from way back had created a lot of rules to help people keep the law of God. You know, maybe somewhere along the line it started out right, but man, it had gone really wrong. Because it wasn't focused on the truth of God. It was focused on the traditions of men. That is the key point. Verse 4. And when they come, it's describing what, how this had just messed them all up. And by the way, just so you read this with understanding, this is not talking here about you know, washing your hands for hygiene before you eat. This was way beyond that. This was like washing, you know, your hands and your arms and so forth so that you were spiritually clean. You, you get the difference? Like how to be right with God. Well, it's all in how you wash your hands and how often you wash your hands. And it always has to be done exactly the same way in the same sequence. It's, uh, it's almost like they had created a religion for obsessive compulsives. 
and it didn't bring anybody closer to God. It probably made people not like God that much because it was the traditions of men, not the truth of God. So, okay, so let's read in verse 4. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many, why? Why? Because they had been around like dirty sinners. So they had to ceremonially wash themselves, right? And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered. In many such like things do ye. So here in verses 1 through 13, we see that it's so easy to have a wrong focus on human tradition and completely miss divine truth. The Pharisees and scribes had raised this to an art form, and it was getting in the way of people knowing God because the Pharisees and scribes were completely missing God, standing right in front of them, talking to them. That's how wrapped up they were in their tradition. Once I pastored in a, a somewhat rural church, and I was told once that all these people that we were baptizing every week, you know, I mean, I think we had um, something like 204 people uh joined the church while I was pastor there. And, uh, you, you know, a lot of them were being baptized. I mean, it was like we were baptizing several people a week, you know, for weeks in a row. It was co very common. And that might not be matched with what your church is doing, but I'll tell you what, it beats what not, like 90% of churches in America are doing. But um, a well-meaning member of that church came up and pulled me aside and said, Pastor, 
all this baptizing you're doing, you know, all throughout the year, you know, we're just supposed to have revival every August, and if people want to be baptized, they can be baptized then. Now, right now, you're saying, are you serious? I'm not kidding. I tried to explain it, but I just don't think it registered. Anyway, that's tradition. Thank you very much. All right, now, verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So Jesus teaches here very clearly that people are born with a sin problem. And your, your problem with sin is not what's going on outside around you. It's what you're born with in you. And it's these, the, the, uh, sort of like resident evil. <laughs> it's the resident evil in you, born as a sinner, as, as, as we are. That causes you to do things that are wrong. So the Pharisees and scribes and anybody even today bound up in tradition who've raised that to an art form focus on the wrong thing. They focus on human tradition and not on divine truth. Well, here, he challenges a wrong understanding. It's so easy to focus on that which is without, you know, the physical. But he says, hey, it's all about what's within the spiritual. It's what's inside of us, the spiritual side of us, that creates the physical things we do. It's sort of like, you know, we all often talk about exploring outer space. Well, I, I say to you that inner space is the final frontier. That's where, that's where, that's what hasn't been conquered. That's the problem in us as people. And Jesus says that how, how is it that we cannot understand this? There's, there's not something that I can eat or drink which, um, spiritually defiles me or being around certain people spiritually defiles me it's what's going on in my own heart that's the problem do you understand what jesus is saying here 
Look at verses 24 to 30. And from thence he arose. Well, I've, I wondered when I was reading this again this morning, did he just say, I, I got to get away from these people for a while? <laughs> Maybe so, because he went outside of Israel. Um, you know, as far out on the border as he could go. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no man know it. In other words, he wanted to be alone for a while. But he could not be hid. You know, that's so, so true of the Lord Jesus. He, No matter what governments or people try to do, Jesus cannot be hidden. So, you know, pretty soon it was known that he was in that area. So verse 25, for a certain woman, and we don't know who this is because she's not named, for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, it's like a demon, a fallen angel that was uh, oppressing her, and I, I think here is saying he that that demonic spirit was it's like an angel gone bad, you know, a rogue angel against God and against people had possessed her. That's what I think. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Now, by the way, some people have wondered why, why are the demonic episodes here in the Gospels so prominent? Well, this was... You know, Christ had come to earth to save men and all hands on deck as far as Satan is concerned. So all of his demons are doing everything they can to, to thwart what Jesus has come to do to save humanity, even possessing children. Well, how does that work, Brother Ed? I don't know. But I don't, dis I don't doubt it because Jesus dealt with it factually. He didn't say to those people, oh, it's just in your mind. You know, you have mental or spiritual issues, and if you know you think right, it's, it, it, it's not there. This was real. It may have been more prominent when he was in his earthly ministry, or it may be always prominent, and we're just blind to it. At any rate, Christ is going to free this little girl. All right, so, so the mother comes and falls at his feet. And by the way, one more thing, why, why would demons inhabit children? Satan hates children. That's why you see things like Planned Parenthood and governments endorsing the murder of unborn children. It's, it's all through the Bible, and it's still true in our day. Yep, I said it. Deal with it. So, let's see what happens here. Verse 26, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician, so she's not Jewish um, in terms of where she was born. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. He's talking about the Jewish people here that he had come to initially. Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. As the Jewish people looked at her as like she was a dog. 
So Jesus is kind of playing with this here. And she answered, in other words, she caught on here, verse 28, and she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. <laughs> and she says, hey, even, Lord, yep, you're right, but even the little puppies under the table eat what the children drop. Wow, she has such great insight. Verse 29 now, you would expect from what we've seen so far that Jesus would say something and command the demon to leave the girl. Remember, the girl's not there with them. She has come to Jesus. The girl is back at the house. So Jesus isn't able to reach out and touch her or say anything. He doesn't even say anything about it here, you know, to the demon like we've seen him say before. So this is a completely new situation so let's see what happens here. We're going to learn something about the Lord. Is, is he really God? Let's see. And he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. Now Jesus had never dealt with a demon this way. He said, it's done. I don't have to confront the demon. I don't have to have the person near me and he said unto her for this saying in other words her faith that the lord would help even her for this saying go thy way the devil is gone out of thy daughter and when she was come to her house she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed wow jesus christ in the spiritual realm delivered this little girl from demonic possession from a distance without a word. This is God. Jesus is God. Verse 31, And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Now, if you get out a, a little map of Israel in the time of Jesus, I don't know the exact distance here. I didn't calculate it, but he's, he's walked like 30, 40, 50 miles, you know, minimum to do all of this. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. Those often go together, by the way. And, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. So this isn't like a circus scene here. Jesus deals with him very personally and privately. It may have been embarrassing to this man, the condition he was in. So he... he um, you know, the, this man is brought to him, and he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. Wow. If God touches us, we're completely healed. That's what's happening here. The God who created the ear and the ability to hear and the tongue and the ability to speak touches what he has created so that life and restoration can return. 
and looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. Wow. Jesus does a physical miracle here. And by the way, there's no demonic activity here at all. It's merely a physical condition this person was in. So sickness is not always the result of uh, the devil or demonic activity. Sometimes it is, many times it's not. So here, Jesus doesn't just not say anything, and, he, and the man is somewhere else. He's right there by him. Jesus is touching him. He speaks to him, and the man is physically healed. And he charged them, verse 36, and he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. I guess so. That's a pretty amazing miracle. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He had done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Friends, I hope today, as we've read through and made some comments on Mark 7, that you recognize in a way that, that you never have before that Jesus Christ is God. He came to be your Savior and your Lord to forgive you of your sin, to bear the penalty of your sin on the cross. He died. He was resurrected the third day. He ascended to heaven. He is coming again. This Jesus Christ is God, and he wants to be your God, your Savior, and your Lord. If you do not know him that way, right now, ask him to forgive you of your sin Receive him as your Savior and Lord. Give him your life. Ask him to be the Lord and the God of your life, and he will save you. Jesus Christ came to save you. If you're already a believer in Christ, but you recognize that somewhere you've gotten off the track focusing on physical outward things and forgetting the spiritual inner things and you're more wrapped up in the tradition of men than the truth of God. Repent of that and ask the Holy Spirit to, to refresh your life, your love for the Word of God, and not to play a part like the hypocrites. That's what that means, to pretend to be something, to wear a mask, to play a part, a role. Don't play a part. Be the real deal. That's my prayer for you today. I thank you so much for joining us on This Week in the Word. I encourage you to let others know about this broadcast. They can find it at www.dredhill.podbean.com. Remember that that DR, the doctor part, has no period. It's just D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L.podbean.com. The app is free. This will always be free to listen to. Tell everyone you know, let's get the word out and let's, let's grow in our knowledge of the word and our walk with Christ. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week, we'll be in Mark chapter 8. 
we should stay on track that by the time Easter comes, we will be around the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Thanks for listening. God bless. Have a great day.